So if you were here at Portsford Church uh, last Sunday morning, you'll have heard Andrew Page share some helpful thoughts about prayer and forgiveness from Psalm 51. The week before that, Sim spoke passionately about how to be fruitful through our faith in Jesus and our friendship with him. And today I've chosen another psalm, Psalm 1 in fact, for us to focus on and think about together. And hopefully we'll quickly see that there's some clear connections between the psalm that I've chosen and what God has been speaking to us about in recent weeks. So, yeah, for, yeah, we've had a little bit of an introduction. Alison, my wife, is here, our two daughters and our little boy James. So it's great to be here as a family. Um, Our work with navigators in France involves getting to know French people, making friends with them, getting alongside people as they navigate their way through life, creating opportunities to learn together, and in particular, learning how to live our lives each day with God's help and by his grace. So to be honest with you, I don't don't give many talks like this. I spend most of my time just having conversations with people asking them questions, listening to what they have to say. But um, I'm very happy to be here this morning. And if I do a little bit of this asking questions, hearing from you, don't be too shocked by that. So now that you know a little bit about us, uh, let's pray together and then we'll read Psalm 1. Father God, thank you that we can be here together this morning Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for enabling us to be in this place together. Lord, we need your help uh, to hear the things that you want to say to us. As the psalmist wrote, the unfolding of your words give light. Lord, we ask you to unfold your words to each one of us here this morning. Lord, please enlighten us and give us insight and understanding through the work of your spirit. Teach us your ways, Lord, that we might walk in your truth. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you'd like to follow with me as I read Psalm 1, uh, you can turn to it now. If you have a church Bible, you'll find it on page 543. Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, Or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Now I imagine that for some of us this is quite a familiar psalm, and for others perhaps it's less familiar. Either way, one thing to notice right away is that it's not very long, just six verses And so it doesn't take very long to read. But there's plenty to think about. And I wonder if there's anything in this psalm that immediately stands out to you, that strikes you, 
Any words or phrases that get your attention? And while you just ponder that question for a moment or two, and perhaps reread Psalm 1 for yourselves, let me give you a very brief introduction to the book of Psalms as a whole. It's sometimes been called the songbook of the Bible, an ancient hymn book for the people of God down through the ages. And like most collections of songs, we tend to have our favourites, and those are the ones we turn to in moments where we need encouragement or comfort. But I've been reading a book by Michael Wilcock, and he points out in his introduction that the normal way to read books is to start at the beginning and make steady progress towards the end. Uh, We do that with novels, we do that with storybooks. Now the book of Psalms is not like a novel. Rather, it's a collection of songs, of poems, of prayers. And it's a practical, useful book. We could even think of it a bit like a photo album, full of pictures that show us a variety of places in the land of spiritual experience. It might not have a plot like a novel, but it could have a plan. So imagine listening to a friend explain and comment on their photos in a photo album. As they talk, you might recognize there's connections, there's perhaps a bit of a sequence to it, and it may become increasingly clear that the photos in the album have not been placed randomly, but are in fact a record of an actual journey, or perhaps journeys even. In that case, we could understand this first psalm as the port of entry to a new unexplored country. The inspired introduction to the whole book of Psalms that gives us some of the keys for understanding other Psalms and that will help us make sense of what we read and maybe make us think new, new thoughts, maybe even get us asking questions right from the first word. Now, if the order of the Psalms isn't there by accident... Perhaps it would do us some good at some point to read through the Psalms from start to end. I'd encourage you to do that. One a day would take us about five months to go through the whole book of Psalms. I've been doing it for a couple of months. I'm up to the midway point, so Psalm 75. And it has been doing me a lot of good. It's been really helpful. So a good thing to do to read in order. In fact, a few years ago... I even read the whole 150 psalms in one day, in one sitting. And to be honest, it was a challenge. It required a bit of determination to get through to the end. But it was like going on a journey where there were some familiar places along the way and also lots of things to discover. And just the experience in itself was well worth doing. So if that idea inspires you, reading all the way through the Psalms in one go, try it. I'd encourage you. Now, going back to that question I asked you a few minutes ago, 
Is there anything in this first psalm that really grabs your attention? Are there any words or phrases that stand out to you? And please feel free to answer if you want to. If you're brave enough to say something, that would be great. Yeah? It shows a broad scope. Broad scope? Yeah, and it also shows that the doorway gateway is narrow. Okay. I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anything else that strikes you? Yeah? Whatever they do prospers. Yeah. Right in the middle of the psalm, that grabs attention. Anything else? The first word, blessed. A good word, but again, an interesting word. So there could have been other words as the first uh, point of this whole book of Psalms, the longest book in the Bible. Anything else? Yeah, yeah. So the experience of joy through, well, we'll see, through what? So I don't know if you're anything like me, but occasionally when I'm reading the Bible or listening to a talk or perhaps having a conversation with someone, something strikes me so forcefully that it's like it's been engraved on my memory. There are a lot of things that happen to us that we quickly forget, But there are also some things that we can remember clearly, even years later. And I can remember being at the youth hostel in Swanage uh, on a Friday afternoon in November, Friday evening, in fact. We were there for a weekend away with some students from the Navigator Group in in, uh, Southampton, not in Strasbourg, in Southampton. And uh, Derek Leaf, who some of you will know well, was giving a talk on Psalm 1. And uh, I was struck by something that I'd never seen or heard before. And the thing that struck me was the astonishing description that, at, that is at the heart of this psalm, the one that we've just, just heard. Uh, it's a description in the first three verses of a person who succeeds in everything they do. And that's... Is that even possible, we might wonder. But we're told that this person, whatever they do, prospers. Hard to believe, perhaps, but what it does is the job of attracting our attention, and hopefully we're asking questions. How is this possible? What does this mean? In fact, probably more important than anything that I'm going to say this morning, is whatever each one of us is going to take away and remember from this psalm, from these few verses. The questions that come to mind, what we make of these verses, and what our response will be when we go home later on today. Now, thankfully, that's really down to God. That's not my job to tell you what to remember or what to think. Uh, That's between us and God, uh, and it's between each one of us individually. But if I can be helpful, then I will will try to, to do that. One of the great advantages of being asked to prepare a talk like this is that I've spent most of the last week thinking about this psalm, thinking, mulling over the meaning of these verses, asking myself all sorts of questions about what different words and phrases mean, and... Asking God to help me 
to understand this psalm and to be able to explain some of the tricky things that we find here. And if I'm honest, that's something that I hope that each one of us could experience in some measure. You probably don't have a whole week to think about one psalm, but even just a little bit of time invested in meditating on God's words as he unfolds them to us does an amazing amount of good in my experience. So let me ask three more questions, questions that I hope will make what I'm going to say clearer for all of us. So first question, what is this psalm really about? Second question, what does this psalm point us to? And the third question is what is our response to this psalm going to be? So three simple questions. I see Rachel sitting at the back. Rachel's our eldest daughter. And for the past few weeks, she's been learning a song using sign language. Uh, It's a song by Ed Sheeran and Taylor Swift. And like most songs that you hear a lot, it is now firmly lodged in my brain. And I wake up in the morning with this song and the words going round. And the other day I asked Rachel what the song was about because most songs are about something, aren't they? And even if it's not very clear when you first listen to them, listen to a song enough and you should be able to pick up what it's about. And I think the same is true for the, for the Psalms. As I've said, the Psalms, uh, it's a book of, of song. It's a song book. And the more the words of these songs get into our heads, the more, the more will come out from that. And the very first, very first word of this psalm, as has been mentioned, and therefore the, the very first word of the whole of this book, uh, is probably a strong candidate for what this is about. And the word is obviously the word blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? is a good question to ask ourselves. It isn't a word that we use so often, although if you ask someone, a normal person in everyday life, what they think it means to be blessed, I think you'd probably say something like, well, if you're, if you're very wealthy, if you have lots of, of things, then you're blessed. Or if you have a particular talent, Uh, If you're musical or you can do a sport well, then you're blessed. Perhaps if you have a large family with lots of children, someone would say, you're blessed. And some people might even say that if you have good health, then you can consider yourself blessed. And I don't think there's anything wrong with using the word blessed in these ways. It's just that none of these definitions match with what this psalm says about being blessed. According to Psalm 1, the person who is blessed is a person who's not following the advice or example of those who have turned away from God or who don't know God or who are even against God. But instead, this person is really seeking to listen to what God has to say. Really seeking to know God's ways and takes delight, that word again, 
in the fact that God gives us direction and help in knowing how to live. That seems to be what the first part of this short psalm is about. It's dealing and defining with what it means to be blessed. The second part of the psalm follows on and gives us two very clear descriptions. The first description tells us more about what it means to be a blessed person. And it's like painting the picture of a healthy, strong, well-watered, fruit-bearing tree. And that's in stark contrast to the second description, which is of those who belong to a different group of people. And the, the word that's used is wicked. The description of these people is much shorter. They are weightless and worthless and disappear with the blowing of the wind. And then the final part of the psalm is a conclusion and once again contrasts wicked and sinful people with those who are blessed. Except now the word that is used for blessed people is righteous. Another word that we probably don't use very often, but worth thinking about. So the emphasis in the third part of this psalm is where these two ways of living can ultimately lead us. So those who are righteous are brought together, protected, and cared for. Whereas the alternative path for those who have rejected God is disaster, loss, and destruction. So, looking at this psalm as a whole, even though it begins with the word blessed, by the end we would probably say that Psalm 1 is probably about the contrast and distinction between two groups of people and two ways of living. And the final word, destruction, is a word of warning for us. Not just for us, but for everyone that we know. So perhaps we could say that the psalm is also about the consequences of coming under the wrong kind of influence. And reading it should make us carefully reconsider and examine the choices that we make concerning what and who influences us. So that's my first question. What is this psalm about? Moving on more quickly. The second question, what do you think this psalm is pointing us to? Does anyone have any thoughts about that? Okay. Yep. Great. Yeah, I like that. So it is pointing us somewhere. If I change the question slightly and say, who is this psalm p- 
pointing us towards? Maybe that is easier to answer. The answer is always Jesus. (laughs) So (laughs) the answer is obviously Jesus. I don't know about you, but if I had to put a name to the person that this psalm is describing, the blessed one who delights in the law of the Lord, the one who succeeds in everything he does, the one who managed to overcome the influence of a world full of wicked and sinful people, the answer couldn't be clearer. But going further, the the real and practical example of Jesus, when he faced the temptations in the desert, for example, after his baptism, can also be of real and practical use for us in our daily battles with temptation. It's clear that Jesus knew the scriptures well. He delighted in all of his father's instructions, and he was able to stand firm against the attacks of the evil one. Through depending on God's power and grace. Now, we won't always succeed in the perfect way that Jesus did, but I don't think we should just give up when we face temptation. I think Jesus has given us an example that we can try and follow. So, little challenge coming up. I think it would be very helpful for all of us, if possible, to memorize scripture as Jesus did. So hiding the word of God in our hearts to help us in our constant struggle against everyday temptations. Maybe you do already, but if not, I've always found it very, very helpful. If this psalm is encouraging us to meditate on God's word all the time, day and night, whenever, Having God's word stored in our hearts doesn't have to be the whole Bible. It can be just to start something simple, but just one thing that would be in our hearts that we can think about and meditate on and seek God over would would make a world of difference. And you could start today or restart today or whatever. This points us to Jesus because the very first word of this psalm is blessed. And that should remind us of perhaps the most famous sermon that Jesus taught, the Sermon on the Mount, which begins with a redefinition of what it means to be blessed that didn't fit at all with the way people thought at the time, the expectation or the understanding of the people of Jesus' day. Later on in that sermon... Jesus warns his followers not to be like certain other people, a certain group of people who had quite a lot of influence. They were the Pharisees. Jesus said three times, do not be like them. And as we get towards the end of the sermon, in fact, right at the end of the sermon, Jesus, how does does Jesus wrap up the Sermon on the Mount? He concludes it by describing two ways of living with a parable about two men who each build a similar house. The houses both look solid until they're tested by the elements and then the one that is not built on rock collapses 
and presumably is destroyed. Uh, Jesus tells us that the difference between these two outcomes simply comes down to listening to what he says and putting into practice the things that he tells us to do. And with that, I think the parallel with Psalm 1 is undeniably underlined. So, having established that Psalm 1 is all about what makes a difference between two ways of living, a blessed and righteous way, or a wicked and sinful way, and having explained how the psalm points us clearly to Jesus, not only as our example, but also as the source of this life that is blessed. Now we come to the third vital question, which, if you remember, is... What are we we going to do about this? What is our response to this psalm? How do we react to this psalm, which may or may not be familiar to you? As I've said, it's a short psalm, so it doesn't take long to read. What's going to happen next? If you've been listening carefully, you probably have picked up that I... I like questions. So one response to this psalm is to ask some serious and honest questions. Questions like, do I consider myself to be blessed? Am I a blessed person? If so, whose definition of blessing am I using? Is it the definition that we find here? Or is it some other definition that we have Do I desire, do I actually want the kind of blessing that is revealed in this psalm? Do I want this sort of blessing, not just for myself, but for other people? What am I delighting in? Am I meditating on God's word day and night? Do I take to heart what Psalm 1 says about the way of living that God will bless. These are all questions that I want to ask myself having read this psalm. There's a danger though. Does reading this psalm give us a false sense of security, a happiness that is actually probably misplaced? Because it's possible to read Psalm 1 as the Pharisees probably did, And imagine that it's other people who are the wicked, sinful ones. And actually, I'm blessed. I'm doing all right. I'm on the right side of things. And I might even go as far as starting to look down on or criticize the behavior of others and start to think they're not as good or as godly as I am. And I start to feel superior because of my own subjective judgment And that's a trap that's easy to fall into. That's self-righteousness. And there's a world of difference between self-righteousness and the righteousness that comes from God and is a gift of grace. I know that apart from the grace of God, I really belong with those who are wicked and sinful in this psalm. That's where I should put myself. There's no question about it in my mind. I know the natural inclinations of my heart are all in that direction. And 
It's only spending time with God and meditating on his word that counterbalances that whole influence that we get from the world around us, even one another. So I need, well, I have to say that what helps me probably the most from this psalm is to be reminded of these two very clear images. The tree that is rooted and can resist the wind that blows. That's what I want to be like. I want to have a fruitful life. I want whatever I do to prosper. That's an incredible promise. And Psalm 1 spells out a way to live whereby I can have what I truly desire. There is nothing, for me, there's nothing at all attractive by the image of chaff. Chaff is the stuff that is left over after all the good grain has been removed from the wheat or other cereals. And the way that leads to destruction is not something I want for anyone. And yet that is the conclusion of the psalm for some people. In practice, of course, I can easily find myself ignoring the good advice that's in this psalm. Or I can refuse the help that Jesus offers through his spirit living in me. And I probably do that more often than I realize. Sometimes I can feel more like chaff, empty, than like a tree and fruitful. But how things look from my perspective isn't reality. I have to take God at his word and trust that he sees rightly. So if he says that I can be like a tree planted by a river bearing fruit with leaves that never wither, I want, I want to choose to believe that. And I want to spend my time feeding and nourishing myself on the sustaining word of God rather than feasting on other things that are served up by the world around us, by the media, by the entertainment industry. It's a choice. It's a choice that each of us can make. So Psalm 1 is a challenge for us. Meditating on God's word is clearly important, but day and night, are we up for that? Is that where our heart is at? It would be easy to become very focused on our own efforts or our own lack of effort. So let me close with something amazing that I heard on the radio this week that reminded me of this tree in Psalm 1, whose leaves never wither. I'm no botanist, I know nothing about leaves, but we've probably all heard of photosynthesis where leaves take the energy from sunlight and convert it into a different form of energy that enables plants, trees, everything to grow. What you may not know is that it's been estimated that every day the amount of energy produced by leaves everywhere is six times more than all the energy that man has ever been able to produce by his own invention since the beginning of time. Every day, 
the leaves produce six times more energy than man has ever been able to produce. God is the one who designed and created trees with fruit and leaves. And I believe that he's more than willing to meet all our needs and all our desires. His desire is very clear. He wants to bless us more than we can imagine. And he simply asks us to listen to him and to follow his ways, cooperating with his plans, finding strength in the joy that comes from him. So let's say that we will do that and help and encourage one another to do that too. Memorize a few verses maybe. Because in doing so, we will bear fruit that brings glory to God.